Thanks for subscribing to the ZonCon podcast, the podcast all about Amazon conversations. These are the tips and tricks to become an Amazon millionaire. Here is your host, Andrew Erickson. He is all things Amazon, and so is this podcast. Let's have an Amazon conversation. Hey, hey, guys. This is Andrew Erickson, the host of the ZonCon podcast. Today, we're talking taxes. Taxes, our favorite topic. Taxes are usually boring because, like, it's taxes, right? However, today we're going to learn five things to do to save lots and lots of money on taxes and how to grow your business. I'm here with my accountant, my personal accountant, Chakra. You're the owner and CEO and runner of junglebooks.net. Hey, Chakra, thanks for coming on. Thank you. Thanks, Andrew. Appreciate the time. Awesome. And then Jungle Books, you know, it's funny when I Googled you to try and find your website, I was like, oh yeah, I forgot. There's like the Disney movie, the Jungle yes. Book. <laughs> uh, you know, a lot of Amazon people like just assume I'm a part of you know, Jungle Scout. Like I keep giving them the disclaimer, no, they're a different company. <laughs> <laughs> we don't make software. So. And of course, we have a beer here too. So I, I'm going to virtually cheers you. Yes. You cheers. And what, what's the name of your beer that you're drinking? My beer is Chakra Beer. <laughs> All right, perfect. It's your very own beer. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> nice. All right, Chakra. Well, I asked you for like some stuff to talk about, about accounting, and, and you came up with the five main mistakes for Amazon sellers. Yep. And so I have them here in front of me. Why don't we just jump into them? What is the first mistake that Amazon sellers do on their books? Okay. So do you mind if I give a 30-second introduction of myself. You know, sure. Yeah. Uh, why don't you tell us? Sorry. I want to hear more about you then. Let's hear. <laughs> you know, everyone knows Andrew, but you know, not many people know me. So, uh, so yeah, so I've been on Amazon since, so I'm a seller as well. Even, I, even though, like you said, you know, I run a accounting and finance firm focused on Amazon sellers, but I'm also a seller. That's how we met actually back in, I think China, right? Yeah, we met in three years back now, two and a half years back. Yeah, China Magic, so, Venus Averis event, China Magic in yes, China, of China course. Magic. And I remember we, yeah. we met on the 99th floor of the Four Seasons in Guangzhou, <laughs> China. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, and it's funny. We, I think you and I started about the same time and we quit the jobs about the same time too. So that's what we were talking about back then. But yeah, so I've been selling since mid of 2015, yeah, I think third, maybe not quite fourth quarter, but third quarter maybe. So pre-Amazon, you know, I was in corporate for a long time, 25 plus years as a consultant, you know, finance, CFO roles, you know, a bunch of companies, worked for many, you know, Fortune 500 companies like you know, Johnson Johnson, Ford Motor Company, worked for NASA briefly. And uh, NASA? So, yes, I worked on Wait, the space look, shuttle program. my shirt? Yes. Oh my God. I didn't notice it. Wow. Uh, my favorite organization. Bring a NASA shirt for people who are on audio. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. That's uh, such a coincidence. So, yeah, yeah. I worked on their uh, space shuttle program, those big wings. So, that was cool. my thing back then. So, back you were on Wall Street for a minute, weren't you? Yes. Yeah, I was on Wall Street. Wow, so bit. fancy. So different things, you know, a lot of things. Now I'm just adding and subtracting numbers for, you know, with Amazon sellers. So since 2018, we've been doing Jungle Books. So right now we have, I would say, close to 50 Amazon sellers. Oh, wow. Nice. I remember you called me I, when I was on my year abroad. You called me. I remember sitting in uh, Tel Aviv, Israel. And yes. you're like, I'm thinking of doing this accounting thing. I'm like, that sounds cool. I'm interested. So... <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, grown pretty, relatively pretty fast. I mean, you know, so some pretty high level sellers like yourself, you know, multi-million dollar sellers. So anyway, that's about myself. You know, I've worked in, uh, got my finance and accounting MBA from uh, Duke University back, I don't know, several years back. You know, Chakra, I remember, I remember hearing your uh, story on private label movement. Was that? Yes. Okay. Yes. And you, yes. well, okay. Let's do a full Chakra behind the scenes uh, origin yeah, story, yeah, maybe on the next episode. And I want to yes, hear that because it's actually yeah. honestly a really cool story. I remember it sticking with me. I'm like, oh, that's a, that is a neat story. We'll tease it. We'll tease it for the next episode you're on. All right. So let's jump into this. <laughs> so even though I know we talked about, you know, five mistakes, three mistakes, whatever, right? Like we just want to focus on things. Either if you don't do it, they're mistakes, I guess. If you do them, they're good things. You should do them. Everyone should do them. So we'll talk about five different things that one can do to a, you know, maximize, you know, people are putting in a lot of time and effort in building their businesses. So you want to get maximum out of it, right? So, you know, five things you can do, but most people should most, you know, I see more and more people are doing it, but you know, that's something a lot of people start thinking about once they hit like half a million, million dollars. But I would say, you know, you should even before, way before that. So, you know, number one is you want to make sure that you are keeping your books it's okay. sounds so pretty simple the first mistake is uh, first mistake in your books is just not having not, books. Not having <laughs> books. that's correct that's correct <laughs> so i know you know a lot of people say oh yeah bookkeeping is boring you know a lot of excuses i hear like oh yeah it's painful it is could be and a lot of people say oh no no don't worry about it. i got my books all here in an excel spreadsheet right like uh, sometimes you're, you're it's describing okay. me right now that's, that's <laughs> it's pretty okay. You know, if you're just starting out, you don't know how things are going to go, right? That's fine. You don't want to put in a lot of money into, you know, all the software and stuff. But once you start hitting like five, six, seven thousand, something, you know, that you know it's going to be substantial and you kind of proof of concept is there, then you should definitely invest in a little bit of money to get the books done right. A lot of people say, I'll do it once a year, like just before taxes, I just jump in and do everything right. So, you could miss a lot of things, you know, it's just doing it in a rush. Uh, you know, April 15th is the deadline. You may be starting April 1st. It's still not enough. You know, you could miss things. You will forget things. And the main well, thing I'll is, tell you, I'll tell you how, and, and cause I, this is a great tip. Keep your books. My first year and well, my first partial year in business, right? So the started mm-hmm. in whatever, October, the end of the year, Q4 basically of yeah. uh, the year. And, and I, I didn't, I didn't know where this stuff was going to go. I didn't yeah. even have, I didn't actually order anything from China yet. I had just been producing my own product actually by hand in San Diego and selling on Etsy. Right. And I was just using my personal credit card for things. I go to Home Depot, buy the wood, make the stuff. And then like at the end of the year, I, you know, I made like $10,000, which is, you know, nice, nice little chunk of change. Very, very happy. Very excited. It's very like, it like bootstrapped me into the business. Very excited. But oh my God, pulling out like my personal credit card, like pulling out like this Home Depot purchase was for business. This one was for like paint for my bedroom. This one was a light bulb. This one was like the special tool I needed for my business. And oh my God, it was terrible. I know. And that was like perfect segue, right? Like I was going to say, like, don't ever commingle, even if you're not, you know, set up with a business account or anything like that. Use a credit card just for, you know, the business that's separate. I'm sure most people have more than one credit card. So, you know, clean out one and just use it just for business. So it will be so much easier, even if you're doing it, you know, 
on your own, it'll be so much easier just to tease things out and, you know, you don't have to worry about. I still realize, you know, some of the bank transactions may overlap, but, you know, just keep the credit cards especially as much as possible. And most banks will open a second account if you already have, you know, again, not necessarily a business account, which you would need a structure and all that, but at least open a separate personal account and uh, as much as possible, you know. Yeah, I want to... I'm going to hit on that point again. You actually don't need to have a formal corporation, an LLC, or an S corp, or any other fancy thing. You can just open a second credit card. You know, exactly. just, just to so very very simple. You get some of those sign on bonuses or whatever. You can open up a business card, and usually have different nicer perks on business cards. Very simple, very easy to do. Yep. yep. Yeah, and again, you know, if you're not sure if you want to do a business card or not, even a second personal card is fine too. Just don't mix them with personal expenses, and then. It's not just the ease of doing, you know, knowing what it is, but it's a business tool. Think of bookkeeping as your business tool because you want to know if you're making money any given month. You know, if you're spending too much, it's really hard to do it if you don't know your, if you're not looking at your revenue and expenses every month or some regular interval. If you're not doing a lot of sales, maybe once a quarter is fine. But any point, if you're hitting four or five, six thousand a month, you want to look at it every month. Especially for Amazon sellers. Sorry, you were going to say something. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and and like reviewing those expenses, I have the habit of just like buying any software I feel like because like it's $24. Like who yep. cares? It's 40 bucks. Who cares? I can get that one thing done. It saves me an hour. Fantastic. Like it saves, you know, saves me an hour. My time's worth more than $20 an hour. Like, great. We're good to go. Let's, let's buy it. But you helped me find this, that I was at one point spending $1,100 a month on software. And I thought that seems like way too much. And so we ended up reducing that down over the course of like two or three months. I got it down to like 500. Yeah, we're we're running at 500 right now. Yeah, which still seems like a lot. But I mean, considering it's like a multi-million dollar revenue business, at least like, yes, the 500 is very nice. So like $500 a month saving or $600 a month savings in that case, well worth looking over the books. Yeah. And then, you know, don't fight your accountant. (laughs) (laughs) Cut the expenses. Like you and Mike, you guys are really good with like keeping the books clean and lean. Uh, I have some people who are like, oh, you're just cutting too much for me. I can't go any lower. So, uh, you know, just remember <laughs> accountants are your best interest <laughs> for the most part. You're not hard enough on us. I feel like because it, it took me like a few months to get all the software down. Even though I said I was going to do it and you're just like, yeah, maybe next month. I'm like, no, Shaka, you're supposed to like <laughs> chastise me and finger wave, finger wave me. <laughs> Uh, and then the, you know, benefit of regular bookkeeping, obviously, is like, you know, year in taxes will be like, you know, you don't have to worry about it. It's already there. Just even whoever is doing your taxes, you can just pass the books. Uh, you know, if you're self, you know, doing it, maybe there will be some quirks you have to work through. But, you know, so that's the spiel for bookkeeping uh, or, you know, any way possible, right? Uh, ideally, a bookkeeping software, but, you know, in your beginning, Excel may work. Excel or any other thing, but just be regular with it. Review your expenses regularly. The second mistake or second thing that people must do, especially Amazon sellers, which are, are, you know, we are inventory heavy business, right? So a lot of successful sellers do this too. You know, we spend a lot of time looking for perfect product, you know, good gross margins, you know, good ROI, blah, 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 right? We all learned that from courses. You're like, hey, you know, you sell, buy something for $2, you know, sell for, you know, 4X, whatever. But most people never go back and look at it if it's still 
the same margins or not, right? So it would definitely, definitely help if you're doing something, you know, once a quarter, once in six months, just take a look at, you know, how your individual skews are doing. If it's three or four skews, it's not a big deal. You may have a good handle on it. You know, once you cross a dozen SKUs, 30, 40 SKUs, you want to make sure, you know, every so often, it doesn't have to be every month, it doesn't have to be every day because, you know, those things don't change that often. But as you know, pricing does change over time and you want to make sure that, you know, you're still getting what you thought you were getting from that because it's so easy. Things get just hide. you know, if you have 80 or 90, 100 SKUs, things can just hide like, you know, 10 of them are not profitable. You would never notice it, but so... Make sure you're checking your profit by skew, or at least at the high level, making sure that the margins are still still there. You know, otherwise you're wasting on a lot of dead wood. Sometimes it's important to have those, right? There are variations. They may not be that selling that much, but you're not really investing a lot. So that's a decision you can take later. At least you know first what to keep or what not to keep and what is making money, what's not making money. So that's my second tip. <laughs> You know, just reiterate on that. Generally, the way I see the life cycle of the price you're charging on a product, generally the first week is going to be the worst week because you're launching. (laughs) But you have no reviews, no social proof, reviews or social proof on your product. And you also have the cost of launch. So your PPC is really expensive and everything else. And so we generally do budget like a little bit extra for launching just because we hope to break even on our first order. But then generally I find like six months to 18 months out is kind of like profit peaking time because now you have reviews, your listings should be kind of like honed in a little bit. She'll kind of tweak those titles and tweak the keywords and stuff and get that price to come in, but come up high enough that it's, you know, nice profit margin. However, after I found personally, at least a year and a half, two years, the product starts to have, it attracts a lot of competition and that's enough time for a competitor to come in six or 12 months after you and for them to do some sort of aggressive marketing to potentially catch up to your review count or whatever it is. So yes, absolutely. I completely agree with that. You should double check that your margins are good. Yeah, I mean, you know, and that's typical Amazon model, right? They want to make sure that whenever there's a new product, they want more competition so that the price is kind of stabilized at some point. And, you know, by checking it, you also would know if it's like maybe time to exit that product, right? Hopefully not. You know, hopefully we'll have nice long four or five year life cycle on each one. But, you know, eventually they all either exit or just, you know, that that's flat sales and flat profit. You're not going to expect too much more from that. The third one, which kind of, I guess, dovetails with what we were talking about, like bookkeeping and keeping the books and making sure the profit and cash flow. We'll talk about cash flow. Cash flow itself is a big topic by itself, but yeah, is kind of thinking, even if it's not completely planned, thinking about exit, right? You want to have an end in mind, like no business or most businesses are not a 200 year businesses, right? Like we want to Exit at some point because that's for a typical Amazon business, that's like the biggest payday, right? Like we can talk about what you should expect and things like that. But if you are not thinking about exit, you're leaving a lot of money on table because there are a lot of things you can do. You don't have to think about it the day you start. That would be kind of okay to keep an eye on it. But at least a couple of years down the road, once you get traction, you definitely want to start thinking about, you know, how do I maximize cash flow? profits, margins, so that I'll have a good clean exit, right? And all these things also play into it. You know, whenever a new buyer comes, the first thing they would look at is the books, right? They want to make sure everything is correct. Everything is, you know, done right. 
And obviously on the Amazon operation side, you know, those SOPs and those things are different. But on the financial side, everybody looks at the business. And I always talk about, you know, Ryan Moran's uh, podcast. I'm sure a lot of us started our journey listen, starting listening to him. And he talks about like his first yoga mat business and how, he, how it almost fell apart, the deal. He was going to sell it because they had no books. And the first deal was like nightmare. He said, I, I think one of the interviews, he said, the one thing if I wish I knew I could do different was to keep books from day one because he had such a hard time when they were trying to sell because the guys were like, you know, whoever the purchaser, they're going to break open everything. They want to see what the margins are. They want to see, you know, if you have everything that they can take over as it is and they're not overpaying, right? And their incentive is to push you down, push the price down. So to support your own pricing, you still want to have good books, right? If you have no books, then they can come back and say, no, I think this is enough. Like 3X is enough and this is what we think is the margin, right? Like, so you want to make sure that you have good books so that you can support your own pricing. You know, it's nothing else. You probably do a whole episode on how to prep for exit. Here yeah. even on how to prep for exit. But basically the, the big things to hit on, obviously really good books, good standard operating procedures, SOPs in place, um, mm-hmm. just to kind of make it as turnkey as possible for the purchasers. And then what else is there? Is there any other like branding and audio? Yeah, branding helps a little bit, but you know, there are so many more private equity firms that are coming in. They're not as much worried about branding because they're mostly focused on just buying Amazon businesses. So they don't, I know a lot of people say that, hey, you know what, you need to have a diversified like Shopify, Walmart, blah, 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 right? It's good, but if you're not doing well in any of those, because they're assigned unto themselves, right? It's not, you know, you got to know how to do traffic. You, know, you got to know how to run a Facebook ads. You got to know all these completely different subjects. And if you just have a Shopify store just for branding, that's fine. But if you're bleeding a ton of money in Shopify store that's hurting your overall margins, that's going to be a hard thing for the buyer to look at. Like, and It'll give them an opportunity. They may just take over and kill your Shopify site. <laughs> but they'll, that'll just give them an opportunity to say, hey, listen, you're not making as much profit as you want as you're telling us you are. So we're going to cut your price down. So hmm. you want to be strategic about it. So just don't do it to do it, is what I'm saying. Like coming from a background of marketing and you know it well and you've done it or you had hire people who can really do it well on there, that's fine. But for most of us average sellers, like my Shopify site is just for branding. Like I don't do much. If somebody incidentally, somebody orders something, that's fine. But I think I still get 98% of my sales from Amazon. So, and I think a lot of us are like that. So, Yeah. And I mean, ultimately branding, of course, we've had a bunch of episodes on branding and, and it is really important, but ultimately um, the brass tacks of everything is, is does it increase profit? Right. Yes, exactly. Well, hopefully exactly. increases revenue, which then leads to more profit or allows you to have a higher margin because you can some sort of branding component to it. But ultimately, it all comes down to the profit line. Exactly. Profits and margins, right? So yeah. Hopefully the branding is increasing your profit, otherwise it's hurting you. <laughs> yeah. Same thing with you know, going into Amazon Europe or Japan or something like that. And I was there. Like I was like, Hey Europe, you know, Amazon is calling me. And I go there and all I did was spend $20,000, got nothing out of it, and yeah. just basically cut, cut my losses and just came back. So Basically uh, the same. Just, <laughs> US yeah. is still the best market too. Yeah, surprise. It's hard to market in a language you don't speak. <laughs> <laughs> all right, what's, what's the next tip for us? So the next one is, you know, next two are somewhat related, but 
suboptimal entity structure, right? Like you want to think hard or talk to somebody who knows, you know, what is the right structure? Because I see a lot of people like start off with an LLC, which is fine. But or people say like, oh, you know what? I'm living in Missouri, but I'm going to register in Delaware or <laughs> some other place. You know, just register in your state you're in. There's no benefit. You're still going to pay your state taxes as a foreign corporation. You know, there's really no real benefit. So just do your due diligence. Talk to an accountant who's done this before. But don't just go by, you know, something you read online or whatever. Just make sure you think through that because entity structure, as you know, Andrew, entity structures, so many things, so many benefits can come. And it depends on your goal, too. I have one or two clients who went out and raised money. And for those things, you need to be secure because things are different. Like you want to make sure that what your goals are and what is the right entity structure for that. So. Well, so you can have a hundred investors in a, or a hundred owners in an S corp, yeah, right? You can. Do you have to have a C corp to raise money? Most, no, you don't. You can have an S corp, but most outside investors prefer a C corp. Okay. Uh, just because it's so much easier to switch, you know, change the shares and those kinds of things, versus S corp, you know, makes those things a little hard. If you're just raising money from friends and family. S corp is just fine. Okay. But if you're really going out to like a private equity firm or something, those are like, that's their business that they're investing in firms. They always would want you to have C corp. So we should play the corpse too. So you help me where I'm wrong. So sole proprietor is just like a dude or a lady doing a thing, right? Like there's there's social security for the most part. You could get an EIN, but yeah. Yeah. You're basically just like, just give me money. I'm a solo person. Just give me some money, right? That's that's a solo. like your typical handyman or somebody you know who's just doing something on the side or whatever, and they're just collecting money and it just goes through their personal income and that's it. And then an LLC. Okay, then then I know S corp is kind of like that's where most people with Amazon businesses should be. I was told in California once you start making more than like thirty thousand dollars, you should have an S corp or yeah, an S corp. I know California's a little special though, so like don't use California. If you're not in California, right. if you're in California, you should definitely get a an accountant or a lawyer who knows how to do this stuff. But outside of, outside of California, is that true or is she just gonna escort like right away? So it totally depends on your goals, right? You know, if you just go step by step, right? Like sole prop is the bottom one, right? You know, bottom one, meaning that's the first step for most businesses to start with. And then the next step would be like an LLC, single member LLC, right? You're just by yourself. You're done doing the business. And, you know, in terms of IRS's eyes, you're no different than a sole proprietor. Tax-wise, you're solo. Legally, though, you're like a company who will get, when you sue someone, you're suing the LLC, not the person. That's right. There's a legal protection and LLCs are really state entities. So IRS doesn't really care. If you're an LLC, they don't care. So there's no such thing as an LLC at the federal level. Got it. Federal level, they see you're a sole prop or a partnership. So if you have, say, two people in an LLC, then it's called a partnership. If you're one person in an LLC, it's a sole prop. So there's no such thing as an LLC at the federal level. So LLC is a state entity, so you have to register in your state. But you get an EIN, you get some legal protections from lawsuits, like you said. You know, It gives you some boundary between yourself like S-Corp, there's no boundary. You are the company. Company is you. You know, somebody can sue you. They can sue for everything you got, right? For LLC, at least there's a little bit of protection. You can say that, you know, it's my company that's doing it, right? There's a little bit of line, uh, although it's not perfect. 
next step, like you said, is an S corp or LLC treated as S corp, right? So I don't want to go into too much weeds, but an LLC, you can tell the IRS that you want to be taxed as an S corp because the IRS doesn't care that you're an LLC, right? So you just tell them like, hey, you know what? I have an LLC, but I want to be taxed as an S corp. Or you can straight go for an S corp. And the last one is C corp, and C corp yep. is uh, so S corp. General, most of them are going to be an S corp, and you can have up to a hundred investors, a hundred owners. So most of us listening to this are are going to be fewer than a hundred. With a C corp, you can have more than a hundred. So it's like Apple and Google; they're C corps. Yeah. And any and, publicly traded company. So in one wrinkle, there it's not it doesn't really affect anyone. But when you register a corporation, again at the IRS level, there's just corporation, right? That's the default structure. And then you have to elect as an S-Corp. You okay. have to send some extra, extra forms and say, hey, you know what? Please treat me. I'm going to be in a small business, small corporation. And so the, it's called a subchapter S-Corporation. So like sole prop, which is, you know, LLC, which is a default sole prop or a default partnership. A corporation is a default corporation. Everything is a C-Corp. And then you tell them that you want to be an S-Corp. Oh. So that's a separate filing. Okay. So, you know, if you forget that, <laughs> then you're automatically a C-Corp. You have time to do that 75 days once you register. But if you forget sending those forms, and I know a lot of people don't realize it and never send it. So IRS thinks you're a C-Corp. So. And so the big thing, to, obviously there's the 100 owners, whatever, but I know what my understanding at least is the C-Corp is you get corporate tax, but you can also have retained earnings, right? Yeah, so corporate tax. So it's a separate entity. It's like Microsoft, Google, Amazon, you know, any of those big companies, right? They have a profit. So Amazon is not Jeff Bezos' personal company, right? Even though it is, but it's, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> so on IRS standpoint, it is a company and Jeff Bezos is the CEO, right? Whereas for small businesses, so anything that Amazon makes, loses or makes, it is just Amazon's profit and loss. Whereas for most small businesses, S-Corps and NLCs, anything you make is just flows through. So the tax return you file for an S-Corp is basically an informational return, right? Like there's no taxes owed on an S-Corp. You just tell them how much profit and loss you make and made for the year. And then everything is carried over to your personal taxes. So you're basically your 1040 taxes is what captures all that. So that's basically difference. And that gives a lot of advantages for small companies like ours, right? Like, you know, most people, one, two, three, four, five people, businesses, that gives us an opportunity to, you know, not pay twice, right? So sticking with Amazon example, Amazon pays taxes and, you know, whatever they pay, Jeff Bezos takes home as a salary, you know, he pays, you know, taxes on that as well. So they're, you know, for the same money that they already paid taxes and then they're giving to Jeff and he's paying taxes again, you know, he's a billion dollars or whatever. So that doesn't happen with an S-Corp, right? Like it's all the same money. You're only paying one set of taxes through your personal. So that's the biggest difference. And that also opens up a lot of little nuances that we can take advantage, legally take advantage to reduce your taxes. So for C-Corp, you can't really do much. It is what it is. So So I know the tax structure stuff, we probably don't want to stay on it too much longer. But I think the last thing to to know, the the big difference between a sole prop and an S-Corp is that Sole prop, you have to pay the call uh, self-employment tax or, or both sides of payroll tax, right? So it's roughly yeah. what, 15% or 14%? 15.3. Yeah, 15.3. 15.3? 15. 15. Yeah. Yeah, okay. And then if you are an S-Corp, you don't pay that tax. Yes. Well, you have to take the salary. So that's the other side, right? Here, as a sole prop, you don't technically have to take salary, but everything is your income. You make a dollar, it's income. 
And you go to an S corp. If you make a dollar, you can take you know forty or fifty cents of salary, and then other fifty cents stays with the company. So it's stacked. So yeah, there are a lot of little things you can take advantage of, and uh, we can do a whole episode on it. You know why S corps. <laughs> so speaking of taxes, what's your last? What's your last tip? So last tip is really it's somewhat related to this. You know, paying too much taxes, right? So if you're not planning ahead of time, so a lot of people just go to the accountant in March, right? It's too late. The year's gone. There's nothing you can do. <laughs> you can't go back and do anything, right? So if you want to start thinking about reducing the taxes, which should be a very important thing for a company, especially because every dollar you make, if you're selling, think of it that way, it's coming back to you 3x, right? Or 2.5x, 4x, depending on how much you can sell the company for. So if you save $10,000 that went to a profit this year, that's $40,000 in your pocket if you're able to sell, get the 4X multiple, right? So $10,000 may not seem, I mean, it's still a lot of money, but may not seem like a lot of money if you're doing, let's just say, three, four, five million. But if it's at 40, 50,000 to your selling price, you know, that's a lot of money, right? So you want to be thinking about tax planning a little bit ahead of time, which means like, you know, talking to an accountant, pushing, making sure that accountant knows how to tax plan. A lot of accountants are tax fillers, not tax planners. So you want to make sure that they they know, they understand. And ideally, you want to go to somebody who works with similar types of businesses. That way they know all the little nuances. Because a lot of us way before when, you know, before I went back to school for all these things, you know, like, yeah, I just go to an accountant. Like, I don't know. Like, I never realized, like, you know, each accountant is like specified, you know, uh, focused on certain businesses, right? So if you're a nonprofit guy, you know, you would know a lot about, you know, how to take advantage of tax code to help nonprofits, right? If you're working a lot with Amazon sellers or on you know, online sellers or any kind of digital marketers, you would know a lot more because you would see them all the time on how to cut taxes and reduce. So just make sure that when you're talking to somebody that, you know, they understand they have similar clientele so that, you know, if you're spending whatever, $500,000, and make sure you're not going to like a really cut rate people because, <laughs> you know, filling taxes for a hundred bucks is easy. It just won't be probably you're leaving thousands of dollars on the table by saving a couple of hundred dollars. So just make sure that, you know, we spend a lot of time on looking for products, you know, looking for keywords, making sure the packaging is done right. But we spend like zero time. A lot of us spend zero time on thinking about tax, right? Because Think of it this way, right? If you save $10,000 in tax, you could launch a new product. Yeah. An extra product every year. That adds up, right? So anyway. I'm a new believer in hiring accountants and bookkeepers and stuff like that. I always consider every dollar I give in tax planning and bookkeeping and accounting, I always expect like a 4X return on that dollar. Yes. Yeah, you should. 2X, 3X, 4X. Yeah, you should, depending on the competency. And, you know, obviously the first time the bank is more... And as you put things in place, it's not as much, but still, you know, you want to keep tax court changes every year, you know, tax court, big change in 2018, potentially another big change in 2020, depending on who wins the election. So, yeah, I mean, you know, it's always changing every few years. And then, you know, with all the PPP and all those things, there are a lot of things that to keep in track and you want to run the business. You want to be, don't want to be like worrying about tax every day. So, yeah, that's my, cool. that's my fifth tip, fifth and final tip. All right. So to recap, we have the must-dos. These aren't mistakes. These are must-dos. The must-dos must are yeah. keeping your books, 
Yeah. Not focusing on profit per skew, suboptimal entity or, or you know whatever S corp entity nomination. Not planning for your exit to plan, you know, so kind of like uh, profit wise for your exit, yeah. and making sure that you do tax planning, right? Yes. I mean, think about it this way, right? Dollar Shave Club sold for a billion dollars, right? That's their exit. So just keep. I mean, you know. Ideally, that's like on the other end, but you know they had a lot of investment money and everything. But still, there's a possibility that's your biggest payday as a, for us as Amazon sellers. So nice, Chakra. I appreciate you coming on. Why don't you tell our audience if they're interested in Amazon tax planning and strategy planning and stuff like that? Why don't you tell our audience where they can find you? Sure, thank you. So my company is JungleBooks.net. So JungleBooks, but the website is JungleBooks.net, not .com. And it's books with an S. Book you would go to <laughs> Walt Disney. <laughs> the Disney movie. <laughs> yes, junglebooks.net. We do everything from basic bookkeeping. So we have several clients who came in at forty, fifty thousand dollars sales, and they are at like six hundred, seven hundred thousand dollars sales after two and a half years now. And then, as you, Andrew, you know, we keep a really keen eye on your expenses. We make sure that any doubled up expenses and things like that. So that's the bookkeeping side. And then, you know, as an extension, we do taxes, which means company and personal, because like I said, you know, S-Corp, they go hand in hand. So we do company and personal taxes. And then, you know, when we do taxes, uh, first year we do taxes, we take a look at it and anything that we can think of, we will do planning, reduce the tax, but we also do like formal tax planning, take your structure and then look at everything, including entity optimization, we'll give you a sheet that says like, hey, you know, this entity, you will pay this much tax versus this entity, you'll pay this much tax and you can make the decision. So those are the three things. And we're also, I helped a couple of sellers with exit planning in terms of getting their finances ready for exit planning when they're ready for sale, you know, those kinds of things. So yeah, we try to do a lot of what pretty much all the financial needs for Amazon seller from beginning to end. So Fantastic. And we'll I should say beginning a, to exit, not end. <laughs> <laughs> we'll uh, have a link in the show notes, junglebooks with an S dot net. And I'll, oh, you're on YouTube too, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We're so, um, Andrew, thanks for reminding <laughs> so, I'm trying to get some of these tax tips out there, especially with the PPP and all the craziness going on there. We try to put every so often some episodes in there, like usually 30, you know, 15 to 30 minute episodes, but we do start, we will start giving tax advice in there as well. It is, uh, I think the YouTube channel is also Jungle Books. And at this point, we may change the name, but yeah, you should be able to find it as Jungle Books. And we should probably put a disclaimer. Maybe uh, we should put this at the beginning that you are an accountant, but you are not the accountant of the person. That's correct. To this. <laughs> yes, I'm not your What's accountant. accountant? Yes. I'm not an accountant. You are an accountant. I'm not an accountant. Neither one of us are lawyers. So disclaimer, all that stuff. Yes. So yeah, I'm an accountant, but I'm not your accountant yet. So, I mean, I'm your accountant, Andrew, but uh, <laughs> whoever is listening, the listeners, you know, if you're not our customer client yet, you're, I'm not your accountant. So I can't give any specific advice. It's very general advice, which is applicable to most people. But still, you know, you want to consult before you make decisions. Awesome. Chakra, I appreciate you coming on. Maybe we can get you to commit to a few more episodes on some tax stuff. It's very important for yes, our business. Absolutely. Yeah. You're in, before you know, you're just going to be here. So this is the time to do the planning. So... Perfect. Thanks for coming on. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Andrew.